The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and I'm so happy that you were able to join us today. And we're in for a big treat. Today we have Dr. Raymond Hall, and he is the Professor of Communication Sciences and Disorders of Neuroscience of Communication, and this is all at Wichita State University. Now, Dr. Hall has written over 14 books, and today we're going to be talking about one of his specialties, which is the art of communication. And that certainly is a skill set that I'm constantly looking to improve upon. Today, we want to welcome you to the show, Dr. Hall. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Well, we're delighted, and we're going to see and hear what you get to unpackage for us, because I think as we all realize, communication is such an important area of our lives, probably now, more than ever before, because of technology and just how quickly communication can be transmitted. But I want to take a little bit of a step back. I'm always curious about how someone became an expert in their field, and I think I think in your case, after reading the brilliant book the, uh, that you co-authored with Jim Stovall, I believe really your expertise kind of started when you were a young boy growing up in the Midwest. Would, would you care to elaborate on that a little bit, please? Oh, sure. I was a severe stutterer from the time that I can remember uh, through my grade school days and my days at um, my two-room country school in central Kansas. You can't get much more rural than that, can you? I don't uh, think you can. <laughs> I've, I've driven through Kansas one time, and I saw some rural areas. <laughs> well, this was a two-room country school, and, uh, and then on through high school and, and into college, and then, and then some beyond. I... I was a severe stutterer. I couldn't say my name. I couldn't say hello on the telephone. I I uh, was frequently embarrassed as I would uh, attempt to ask a young lady out for a date when I was in high school and college and not being able to get the words that I wanted to say so that I could actually say them uh, to have them smile slightly and look down and 
and uh, I would finally give up and and uh, and leave. But um, uh, what I tried to do, I didn't want to have therapy, as my parents recommended, and their mode of therapy was to say, now slow down, think about what you're going to say, sing your words, and things such as that. Um, I decided that I was going to I was going to cure myself, and so I I entered in even back in in country school. I entered every every avenue in which I would be required to speak, and and um, auditioned for plays. And on into high school, audition for every play that I could find. My first, my first debut, um, as a matter of fact, was uh, I was given the part of Johnny Appleseed in the um, Walt Disney version of that play when I was a freshman in high school. And the nice thing was. Is that my my part required that I that I sing, and I've always had a, I think a, a, a nice voice, at least I've been told, and um, so I sang um, the song um, "God is Good to Me," and so I thank the Lord for for all the things He's given me, the sun, the moon, and the apple trees, and that song. Um, and uh, I was applauded, and it did wonders for someone who couldn't talk. So um, I auditioned for every other play I could I could find. I also um, took tap dance lessons and was part of a dance team. I was a star in track. I was um, told by my drama teacher when I auditioned for a one-act play when I was a junior in high school, that if I promised not to stutter, which is one of the worst things you can say to a stutterer, of I, could course. Have, <laughs> I could have the part that I wanted. And it was a part in which the, the lead character, who was a, who was a, uh, a, a, a bad person, a, a robber, um, turned his chair around, put his elbows on the back of the chair, and gave a, about a five-minute soliloquy to the audience, and I did it, and I was applauded, and I think from that point on is when I began to become more more fluent. Also, when I was a junior in high school, I went out to a radio station and uh, talked to the manager of the radio station and said I wanted to have my own radio show. I wanted to have a rock and roll um, 30-minute show Monday through Friday from from 4 and I'm sorry until from 4:30 till 5 every every afternoon Monday through Friday and he obviously had been thinking about it because he said sure but the thing was when I went to talk with him I had my script written down because if I read I was more fluent and then it became an hour show and and um and so you become Sort of a sort of a star, just like you, when you are 
you are uh, 17 years old. Um, and then I went on into college and was in every play. I played the part of Iago in Othello. I played Hamlet in the play of, uh, entitled, of course, Hamlet. Um, and many others, I received the Oscar for the Best Actor my freshman year in college. And um, my senior year, I wanted to be in an oratory competition. And my, my forensics instructor tried to discourage me because I couldn't speak with much fluency. And... Um, but anyway, I I entered. It was a you had to give a fifteen minute uh, presentation without notes, uh, a fifteen minute oratory, uh, or a fifteen minute oration, and um, uh, the state competition, the inter the state intercollegiate competition, was held at Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas, and I had to compete against the best of the best. Uh, sure. Of the of the colleges and universities of the state. And when I got there, it had just snowed, and I couldn't find the building, and I finally had to walk across a field. And I had a new suit on, and I had new shoes, and I had to walk across a field to get to the building where I was to compete. And by the time I got there, I had mud all over my shoes and the cuffs of my pant, my slacks and my new blue serge suit and uh, finally found the room where I was to speak, and the last orator was giving his uh, oration, and I peeked around the door and asked if it would be possible for me to still, to, 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 to still give my presentation, and they said, sure, and I asked if I could go to the restroom to wash off my shoes and the cuff of my pants, <laughs> and, and uh, when I completed that, I went back into the room, entered the room, and said, thank you, I appreciate being here, and then began to give my 15-minute oration. And I was so nervous and I was so distraught for being late that um, I was almost completely fluent in whatever stuttering I engaged in, uh, I used as pauses during my oration. And then as soon as I finished, I said, thank you, and I walked out of the room and walked across that field again and back to my car and drove back to our farm, uh, which is about 180 miles away. And um, that night, my forensic instructor called and said, congratulations, you are, <laughs> you are the best of the best. Because <laughs> uh, I had, I had uh, won that uh, oratory competition. But well, anyway, well, from that point on, I was becoming more, more fluent. When I began my master's degree, I wanted I was I began a master's degree in radio television broadcast, and um, uh, I had to take a course. All of us had to take a course in human communication disorders, and so I took that course reluctantly. But the instructor was so charismatic that um, I changed my mind. I thought, now that's much more interesting than normal communication and having to find a good agent and, and um, working at night as a radio and television broadcast person. And uh, that's what changed me into the field of disorders of communication. But yet still, the art of communication is my passion. 
as you can tell from the book, The Art of Communication, and the other book, The Art of Presentation. I hope I didn't bore you. No, not at all. It just, I, I have a huge smile on my face. Uh, the, the audience can't see that right now. But the the story of overcoming and, and growing up and overcoming the obstacle of a stutterer. And then the fact that you your co-author has had an overcoming background as well. Because Jim Stovall has written many books. I know well over 30 at this time. And and the writing of his books actually took place after he was completely blind and founded the, the narrative television for the blind. And so the fact that both of you found each other in this expansive world and have created a brilliant book entitled The Art of Communication just puts a huge smile on my face. And you know when I think of, tell, tell us, I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear that, please. I was giving a presentation um, for the uh, a conference that was put on by the U.S. Department of Education, the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services in Washington, D.C., uh, a few summers ago, and uh, I was giving a presentation entitled How to Talk to Children, and Jim Stovall was in the audience, which I didn't know at that time. And um, he came up to me afterward, after I completed my, it was a one-hour presentation, and he came up to me afterward and told me that, you know, I was talking about things that he had wondered about and uh, did not know. Um, and uh, anyway, that's how we, that's how we became, that's how we met, <laughs> Well, fantastic. And um, we're getting ready to start out with our first break. And one of the things that I want to dive into that your book underscored quite beautifully is the nonverbal part of communication. And I don't know that I've thought of it this way where the nonverbal aspect is um, sometimes trumps the verbal aspect. And when I think of communication, I know it's not only an art, but also a science. And so I want to hear the science part around this. And we're going to take our first break. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into nonverbal communication. You've been listening to the Compassion Passionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for more. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. 
Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at compassionatesamuraishow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And today we have guest expert on communication. In fact, Dr. Raymond Hall wrote the book, co-authored the book with Jem Stovall, entitled The Art of Communication. Now, when I think of communication, it comes to mind for me that this is a very complex subject matter, not one that's easily mastered and has many, many moving parts. So I'd like to address and ask Ray to address one of these big moving parts, and that's the type of communication, the difference between the verbal communication and the nonverbal. And I was astounded when I was reading the book of what a large percentage nonverbal communication plays in the inner interaction with other people. So, Dr. Hall, if you would share with us and enlighten us a little bit about that beautiful 70% number. I sure will. Um, yes, you, you, you said that beautifully. You said that uh, communication um, or the art of communication is a, is, a, um, is, a, is a difficult concept because too many people take it for uh, granted that if they communicate, they communicate. They really don't have to think about it. But, but uh, that's not the way. That's not the way it happens. Um, verbal communication, of course, is important. The words that we use are important. But yet, when you think about it, um, and many people don't think about this aspect, is that research has shown uh, over the years that the nonverbal aspects of communication are critically important to what we do when we are communicating with others. Um, we're talking about our facial expression, our vocal, uh, our use of vocalizations, the gestures that we use, even even how we sit, how we how we walk into a room uh, where we are about to communicate with others comprises 
about around 70% of what entails the process of communication. So that only leaves about 30% for the words that we use. And some research has shown that the nonverbal aspect of communication uh, comprises uh, around 80%. To me, that's a little high. But that 70% um, in terms of the importance of the nonverbal aspects of communication seems to be the number that um, is most consistently cited. And when we think of the fact that only around 30% of communication, of our communication with others, uh, entails the words that we use, that is literally mind-boggling. Even, um, as I said in, the, in this chapter in the book, The Art of Communication, even Charles Darwin was involved in the study of nonverbal communication. As far back as 1872, uh, in his book, The Expression of Emotions in Man and Animals, he discussed the forms of nonverbal communication and the similarities between nonverbal communication used by humans and the nonverbal communication uh, used by by um, by uh, animals, or including um, uh, uh, primates, wolves, and other and other animals. Um, so anyway, it's been a, it's been a uh, it's been a, a, a topic even dating back to the Hellenic period. Uh, around 400 to 600 years B.C. Uh, is thought to be the beginning of the study of the nonverbal aspects of communication. Well, and I'm getting that these nonverbal aspects are so very important. I was kind of, as I was reading your book, I was coming up with a, a, a self-checklist in terms of, hmm, what are my forms of nonverbal communication? And um, clearly you, you mentioned giving someone the cold shoulder or even um, ignoring them. That's a message of silence, right? And so I've said nothing, but I'm communicating, Correct. That's right. We could be, as you as you said so nicely, we could give we could be giving someone the silent treatment, but even in doing so, we are still communicating very loudly, very clearly, that perhaps we're not a, we're not happy about something. Um, there's one area that really that really in um, excites me, and that is. Uh, one thing that I mentioned in that chapter that's called the two-minute rule. Do you remember seeing that? I do, and I've, I've heard different numbers, but I love the fact that mm-hmm. I might even have two minutes. But <laughs> if you would expand on that, I, I, I don't like that 30-second number, but, but definitely two minutes was eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. And if you could unpackage that a little bit, I sure would appreciate it. Sure. Uh, it, it, it's called the it's called the two minute rule. That when we enter a room, if we're if we are uh, going to an interview for a new position that we have been looking for, or if we're seeing um, walking into a room to to see our clients, uh, 
if a physician or a dentist is walking into a room to see their patient, within that within the first two minutes of entering the room, those who are receiving you have made an appraisal of you. How you entered the room, your manner of speaking as you as you walked into the room and addressed them, how you appeared, your manner of dress, um, just so many things that that people observe as we as we enter a room to communicate with them um, is is cemented in the client or the uh, interviewers or the patient's mind, and that is hard to er- that's hard to erase. And you know, Dr. Hall, I just had a profound experience of that two-minute rule. A um, couple of weeks ago, I was at a business conference and um, was in the media room sending in a few reports and doing a few interviews for the, the radio show. And there was a gentleman who walked in the room. He was going to be the closing keynote for that evening. And he has a television show. And I had not heard of him for one reason or another. I just had never heard of his name, didn't know the show. But what I was struck with when I kind of processed all of this out, and this is uh, Marcus Leminus from The Prophet. I believe he's on CNBC. Um, and um, I noticed when he walked in the room, he was engaging with everyone who was in the room. There were maybe 20 of us in this particular press room. And he was having direct communication with complete strangers. And it may have started off uh, like, Belinda, that's a beautiful dress you have on. That's uh, That color is suiting you so beautifully. He engaged with me in a way where it was, may I join this table? I don't want to sit over in the couch and be that distance from the group, may I join the table? And then everyone circled around. And before we started the press interview with him, he had engaged with absolutely everyone in the room within about two minutes and built a mini relationship in such a short period of time. And it was beautiful and masterful to watch. And so when I saw him about an hour later, speaking in front of 3,000 people at a keynote, I had a little tiny relationship where everything he said, I was kind of on the edge of my seat. I wanted more from his wisdom and what he had to share with the audience. And that was a profound lesson to learn and it was the two-minute rule that he worked beautifully. That's that's very that's very powerful, um, and 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 that can be done, but that has to be that has to be learned. It's not something that comes natural to a person. Um, I I tell my doctoral students. In a, in a course that I teach called, uh, it's a professional seminar, getting them ready for the real world. Um, when they go to interview for a, a position in a hospital, for example, when they enter the room, be sure 
and engage each of the persons who is there to interview you in some way, to greet them, to even say, hello, it's, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here, um, and, uh, you know, to, to say something to each person as they, as they enter the room before they sit down, not to simply walk into a room looking very timid, sit down, put your hands between your knees, and look <laughs> down at your feet. You know, that sure. is not going to impress anyone. No, not at all. Not at all. And I was amazed with the way that Marcus, it was built within him. It was, he, it's now a part of his DNA. I'm very clear about it because there was nothing <laughs> fake or plastic. He was being himself. He was in his beingness, let's say, not his doingness of working the crowd. He was being himself and being with us. And it was just so warm. And as you say, memorable. I'm, I'm struck of, of how that felt, how I felt as an audience member. Uh, that was incredible. And um, I know sometimes expressing, we're not only expressing our thoughts, but we're expressing our feelings when we're in front of a crowd. And that can be daunting for someone. When we come back, I really want to dive into why do some people fear public speaking so much because okay. it it can stop people in their tracks you you it's that i'm sure from some of the students in your classrooms correct oh yes you know and i tell when i walk out into a stage to give a presentation um you know i i tell the audience that i am truly happy to be here um you know i i tell whoever um, give me give me a stage, give me a spotlight, give me a good microphone, and I'm a happy boy. <laughs> well, and that that has to put the audience a little bit at ease. I, I remember reading that in your book, and again, put a smile on my face. Just that subtle acknowledgement can make all the difference in the world. It sounds like. I think it. I sure think it can. It's it's better than simply walking onto the stage looking severe, turning and addressing the audience um, by begin you know giving the first words of your presentation. You know you it's it's important to put them at ease. But anyway, we can talk about that if I, if you would like to. Okay. Well, and I I want to pick your brain a little bit right before we go to break here. Oftentimes when I'm at conferences or in seminars, someone will get up and the first thing they say is, I apologize, I'm not normally a speaker, I'm not a speaker, and they are apologizing away before they've said any of their content. And I just want to hear your your take on that. I think it's pretty obvious what not to do, but I want to hear it from you, the expert. That is definitely what not to do. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we should never apologize for being there because we were invited to be there, and there's a reason for our being there, and there's absolutely no reason to to say, you know, I'm really usually not, and I do speak to that in the book, uh, The Art of Presentation, where they say, you know, I'm really not a public speaker, uh, and so I hope you'll bear with me while I, you know, basically stumbled through this presentation, and by, about that time, about half the audience is already yawning. 
Yes, and I think it also subtly is telling the audience, hey, if you don't like what I'm saying, it's your fault, audience. So we want to stay away (laughs) from that. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. When we come back, we're going to tap into why do some people fear public speaking so much and how do we get over that? And then Dr. Hall is going to share with us some key tools, techniques, and tips on providing presentation and really connecting with your audience in the best possible way to communicate. Thanks so much. Stay tuned for more. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is Kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Today, we're getting a lot of insightful information from Dr. Raymond Hall from Wichita State University, and his specialty is really in the art of communication. He's co-authored this latest book with Jim Stovall, who is president of the Narrative Television Network. And Dr. Hall, as we were leaving our last segment, I wanted to dive into why people can fear. And and sometimes I know the list can be skewed a lot of different ways, but fear of public speaking in your research, it ranks pretty high up there, correct? Oh, it, it really does. Um, when you ask people what they're greatest fear is, and 
you know, they think about it for a little bit. And somewhere within their list of their greatest fears is usually the fear of public speaking. Um, you know, they talk about the fact that their heart pounds, their palms sweat, their knees become weak. Um, they, they really feel a true sense of, of dread. And there have been a number of studies done on people's greatest fears. And public speaking, speaking before an audience, inevitably ranks above others. For example, the fear of heights, fear of becoming ill, drowning, falling, even death, um, flying, and other, and, and other fears that the fear of public speaking comes out near or at the top of the list. So um, if, if people are afraid of public speaking, if pe- speaking in public, uh, they, are, they are definitely not alone because it's one of the most common fears among, among people. And why do you think there, there must be a why behind that? What, what would be some of the reasons this fear is exhibited? Well, growing up as a severe stutter, I know full well the fears that come from the task of speaking before an audience. Um, it can be a demoralizing experience. People, people feel very vulnerable when they're standing before an audience because that audience, those in the audience can, can make an appraisal about them, that the, that the person who is, who is speaking that will that will last. Um, they're they're looking at us. We're standing before them uh, in one of our most vulnerable states. And when a, a microphone is placed before the person, have you ever noticed that if you hand a person a microphone, it seems to be almost inevitable that they that they bring the microphone down near their stomach. Yes. And then yes. they begin to talk. Um, and and again, when, they, when a person speaks into a microphone, uh, again, they're, they're um, becoming even more vulnerable, vulnerable because everyone can hear the words that they are saying. And what if I say the wrong word? What if I say something that sounds dumb? What if I, you know, what if I, what if I, those continue on and on. It's a, it's a, uh, a fear-inducing activity. Well, it makes sense. And I know one of the, one of the fears uh, that I looked to overcome, uh, I'm typically not a shy person, but one of the things that I would get extremely nervous about is if I needed to speak and I hadn't prepared I love to prepare, and if it was someone just out of the blue asking me to stand up and speak for a few moments, in my head, I was thinking, well, my gosh, I don't have any notes, I didn't prepare, I like to do a mind map because I'm, I'm very visual, and if if I have chance to color in and do a mind map and a pictorial uh, diagram of what I'm going to say, then I don't forget any of those so-called important pieces and parts. And it took a while of just 
being out there in the world, knowing that someone could call on me to speak at any moment, or I may need to ask a question of a speaker. And if I don't ask that question, I, I lose my positioning. I lose my open door that um, put me in the position in the, in the first place. And so I got used to it like you did. I put myself out there in mm-hmm. order to be prepared for not being prepared. That's right, and that's why I, I, I auditioned for everything that I could think of that required a person to speak. Um, but, um, you know, one of the poorest, I shouldn't say one of the poorest, but among the poorest speakers I hear are those who are tied to notes. Because if they lose their place in their notes, then there's that awkward silence, and then they're usually saying something like that, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've lost my place. Um, yes. And as they stumble forward, the audience, uh, again, is beginning to yawn and squirm and wondering if that person should even be there. Um, but um, uh, if, if a person can get away from their notes and speak from their knowledge and speak from what they know, they're going to be a lot more effective. Um, Again, people are afraid of microphones. Are you? Well, I was. I've gotten used to them, but I, I have to tell you, when I was reading your book, I chuckled out loud when I read the line. I believe the line was something around, a microphone will never hurt you unless you drop it on your foot. And that put it all in perspective. Um, and really, the gift, of, a lot of people shy away from even using a microphone, and then they're really not heard. And so I'd, I'd kind of like to hear microphone 101 uh, from you in terms of how a microphone really is your best friend when you're speaking. Oh, it's, it, is so, it is so frustrating when a person walks onto a stage and they walk to the podium and they say into the microphone that's there attached to the podium, uh, good evening, uh, I'm glad to be here to, to speak with you. And then they'll say, of course I don't need to use the microphone because everyone can always hear me. And then they proceed to walk away from the podium and, um, and talk to the audience. And the audience, you know, the audience at simply cannot hear what they are what they are saying a microphone <clears throat> is there to help us it's there to help us to be to be heard and as far as i'm concerned if we don't want to be heard we shouldn't have accepted the invitation to speak in the first place um, and the thing that people don't realize that most speakers don't realize is that most microphones that are that are there in auditoriums, uh, in churches, um, are are high impedance microphones, and many people so don't you, know what a high impedance microphone is. Exactly, I didn't until I, I read. So, if you'd share yes. with us, what is high impedance? Well, uh, to to impede, I ask my audiences when I'm there helping them to learn. To speak in public, um, 
what does impede mean? And I usually get no response. And I say, <laughs> finally, I say to impede means to restrict, to reduce. And a high impedance microphone is designed to be used in nightclubs and, again, in churches and, and auditoriums where there may be other things going on around behind them. For example, if there happens to be a, a uh, singer and there are uh, amplifiers and so on on the stage, they can, they can feed into um, a regular microphone and cause that mind, uh, that mind-altering scream that comes from the uh, public address system that um, is very unpleasant to, to hear. And so high-impedance microphones were designed to restrict all those other sounds that might be coming into the microphone. And they have to be placed within about two inches from the speaker's mouth in order to work, in order to do what they're supposed to do. And that's why sometimes when you see um, singers, they have the microphone so close to their mouth that my mother used to say, it looks like she's got that microphone inside of her mouth. Well, it is close to her mouth, but um, that's what they're designed to do. And too many people are afraid to have, <coughs> excuse me, to have a microphone that close to their mouth. And I think it's because they might be heard. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, if they don't want to be heard, then they shouldn't have accepted the invitation to speak. Exactly. Well, it was important when I read that in of the two inches and and I heard it said one time that when when you are using that high impedance microphone think of it as if you're holding an ice cream cone and you're about ready to to take a taste of your ice cream cone that's about the right distance uh, for one to come into play with a with the uh, microphone and I want I wanted to circle back a little bit regarding the nerves. And I heard it said, and I don't have to look up where this quote is attributed to, but I often hear my boss say when people uh, talk about being nervous about big things they're going to do in life and that there's all these butterflies in their stomach. And I know she heard this from uh, her mentor as well. And it's not that you should, should never expect that the butterflies are ever going to go away because right. the, a sense of nervousness, what was that Mark Twain said, you know, there are people who say they're nervous and then there are liars. You know, you, there is a, an element of nervousness around. And with that in mind, I remember Kimberly saying at one of our last seminars, the goal is not to get rid of the butterflies. The goal is actually to get those butterflies to fly in formation and help us move to connect with the audience, with the people you're looking to connect with who came to hear what you had to say. And that visual alone has triggered me of, okay, come on, butterflies, I'll talk to you. Get in line. I'm ready to go here. So we are now coming up to our last break. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. When we come back, we're going to get a few tips and tools. One of the biggest things I learned in terms of how many words per minute 
the average human being is comfortable listening to. So stay tuned for more. Let's hear what that number is from Dr. Raymond Hall. Thank you much. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And I'm joined today by expert in communication skills and a whole lot of other things, Dr. Raymond Hall. Now, Dr. Uh, Hall is a professor at Wichita State University, and today our topic is the art of communication. So we're going to round out that topic a little bit, and there are some distinctive tools and techniques that a speaker can use when they're on stage. I was, uh, or just talking to a person one-on-one, the fact that you recommend that you stand about 30 inches away from someone when you're in conversation. Can you share a little bit about why that 30 inches is important? Well, it's it's, it's simply a good distance. Um, uh, if you are too close to a person, we're, we, we've entered their, as my daughter calls it, their social space. We become too intimate. Um, and if we're too far away from the person we're, we are speaking to, then they will oftentimes develop a feeling of being disenfranchised. Uh, we really didn't want to talk to them. 
So 30 inches is just about right. A, a good distance, they can hear us, we're not entering their social space, and we're not too far away. Well, that was a good a good note for me to, to jot down and take a look and just kind of monitor and practice a little bit with friends and family. And one of the other things that blew my mind when I read it in your book, you mentioned that sometimes a speaker can have great words to say and actually set themselves up for a beautiful delivery, but the huge mistake they make is speaking too fast at like 200 words a minute would you elaborate on why, as, as listeners, that 200 words a minute puts us not in a very good listening mode, correct? Correct. The central, a person's central nervous system, our mainframe computer, our brain, and our brain stem, is not designed to process the complexities of speech when it is uttered too rapidly. Uh, the average person speaker in the United States. We're talking about the average individual who works in business and, and uh, even teachers and others uh, usually are speaking at, at rates of somewhere around 160 to 180 words a minute. And our central nervous system, again, is simply not designed to process the complexities of speech. Speech is a very complex acoustic signal. Um, people loved you know, even though I'm showing my age now, but people love to listen to um, uh, news broadcasters like Walter Cronkite, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, he probably didn't know, but he was speaking at an ideal rate. He was speaking at around 120 to 124 words per minute, and people loved listening to him. Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers on the... Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood uh, spoke at a rate of around 124 words per minute, and both children, young children and adults, could understand every word that he said, even though for the average person, that rate seems as though it is incredibly slow. But if we want people to understand the words that we are saying, we have to slow our rate of speech. And another thing that happens if we do that, is that we, we uh, begin to use greater inflections in our voice. Uh, we are elongating the vowel and consonant sounds so that people can hear all of the words, and we, we use more effective pauses. Um, it, it is a, a very important thing that we have to keep in mind when we're speaking in public, when we're speaking on stage, or even reading the minutes of the previous meeting at a local organization. People will love you if they can understand what you're saying. Of course. And I think for that reason alone, that was one of the biggest insights that I received in reading your book, that magic number of around 120, 126 words per minute. It's something that I'm going to work to to master. And you're doing that right now. Perfectly. Okay. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. And Dr. Hall, I am most grateful for your time today. There is a wealth of information in this book entitled The Art of Communication. And I want the audience to know that in a few weeks, we're going to also be engaging with Dr. Hall with his latest book, The Art of Presentation. And then I just learned recently you're collaborating with Jim, on a third title entitled The Art of Learning, correct? Uh, yes. It's been a fun book to write, but it's, it's a very difficult one. <laughs> I hear that. Well, you've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Until next week, knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.